This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Today we're going to kick off a brand new series called Hot Button Issues, and we're going to talk about some things that are going in our, uh, on in our world over the next few weeks, and we're going to talk about what God has to say about those things, because I know that there are a lot of things that come up in our culture and in our society, and we're like, where do I stand on this? I don't know really what to think or what to believe here or what God says about this, because no matter what is popular, no matter what everyone else likes or where everyone else is going or what I think or what my opinion is, if it's contrary to what God says, then somebody's got to give and it's sure not going to be God, right? So it has to be me. So I have to learn to submit my will and my way of thinking and my way to God's way and His way of thinking. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks and hot button issues and dealing with some different things. And today we're going to kick it off uh, with a message called The Line. So if you're taking notes, you can write down that title, The Line. Because I've been really thinking about what's going on in our world and you know what the church's response is to it at this time. And even a class that I held a few weeks back, I said this to my class. I told them, I said, guys, I said, I think that what's going on in the church today, as I said, is that we're getting to a time and a point in history where we're going to have to make some decisions about where we stand. And I don't mean word of grace necessarily as much as the body of Christ. Where do we who follow us who follow Jesus and us who claim him as our Lord and Savior, where do we stand? Because we always say this, draw the line in the sand stuff. And, you know, when I think about drawing a line in the sand, I think, man, you know, I think that the waves can come and just wash that thing away like it does that sandcastle that you spent hours building, right? But what I think we need to do is not draw a line in the sand, but we need to actually establish some boundaries and draw some lines in concrete. Let that stuff harden and let that stuff actually help structure and guide and lead us. And that needs to be the Word of God and His Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do throughout this series. And that's what we're going to do as we talk about the line today and exactly where that is and exactly how we go about uh, understanding structure and understanding boundaries that God places in our lives and why He does those things. Because we have this idea, I think in America especially, with us being a free nation, that freedom is whatever I want to do. And that's pretty much our definition of freedom. When we say, I'm in a free country, that means I'm in a country where I can do whatever I want to do because we equate freedom to self-rule, to pretty much whatever I make up is true, whatever I make up is okay, that's what's okay. Truth is relative. All these things are relative to my opinion or what I like or what I don't like. And that's what freedom is. You know, just like when someone tries to tell you to do something you don't want to do, and you get in an argument with someone, we'll say things like this. We'll say, it's a free country, Jack. And what we mean when we say that is that I can do what I want to do. Who are you to try to tell me what to do? It's a free country. And that's what our mentality often is even towards Jesus. And we think, oh, Christ has made me free, so I'm free to do pretty much whatever I want to do. And I'm just free in Jesus, and I'm free because of this and because of that. And what we miss and what we don't understand oftentimes is that the boundaries and the lines that are in our life are actually for our benefit because freedom doesn't mean there aren't any lines. That's not what freedom means. Freedom doesn't mean there aren't any lines, but we buy into this lie that no boundaries means freedom. And I'll tell you what no boundaries equals. No boundaries equals chaos. Because when we don't have boundaries in our lives... There's chaos everywhere, and we may not get that. We may not understand that sometimes, but freedom doesn't mean that there aren't lines. There's a university that did a study, and they took a group of small children to this big field, 
big open field and placed some playground equipment in the middle of this field. And they told the children, you can go wherever you want and play wherever you want. You want to know what the children did? They stayed right there where the playground equipment was. They didn't leave the safety and security of that playground equipment. A couple weeks later, they took the same group of children to the same field where the same playground equipment was, except there's a difference this time. They put a fence around the playground. And they told the kids, go wherever you want and play wherever you want. You want to know what the kids did? Some of them played on the playground equipment. Some of them began to you know, run around out in the open field. Some of them went to the very edge of the fence and was shaking the fence and playing all, you know, just everywhere because they were safe. They were secure. Why? Because there were borders. There were boundaries. There were things there to help let them know where the safe lines were, where things were okay. And we can see how that also reflects in our lives with Christ. That when we understand that real freedom is experienced within the context of lines being placed in our lives. Because where there's no order, everything becomes okay. Everything becomes acceptable. And what lines do is they create order. And God is a God of order. And He wants order in our lives because that's the way that our lives are going to bring glory to Him is when our lives are in order with what He desires for us. Because I don't care what is important to me. I want to know what's important to Him. I want to know what matters to Him. What He says is going to be beneficial for my life. What is going to be helpful for my life. And that's going to be the thing that brings Him the most glory. And it's going to bring order in my life. You know, where there's no lines, everything's okay. Where there's no boundaries, everything becomes acceptable. Truth becomes relative. And you see that in our culture today. You see that reflected in the way that we live our lives. You see that reflected in how we approach certain circumstances. And we'll say, you can't tell me what to do. It's a free country. We say things like, oh, it doesn't matter. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. There's no structure. There's no boundaries because truth is whatever I want it to be. And we'll look at the chaos in our lives and we call it freedom. We call chaos freedom. Because what chaos does and what no boundaries or borders or lines and no structure in our lives, what it does is it actually creates bondage in our lives. Because we push the line as far back as we can and we keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and get edgier and edgier because the first time you hear something that is pushing a boundary or a border, everybody goes, and then the second time you go, and then the third time you go, that's no big deal. And we just accept it as normal. But the first time, shock value is through the roof. You know the first time that a lady wore a two-piece swimsuit to a public beach, she was arrested? True story. She was arrested. And the swimsuit she had was not near as revealing as some of the things that are acceptable today and the things that are okay today. But that's where the line was at that time in culture, in our country. And now you see where the line has been pushed And you see where it just keeps on moving further and further and further away. I saw just the other day on a news website, okay, and I'm not picking on anybody or anything, so so don't hear me wrong. These are just some things that in my life that I see that are challenging some lines and some borders and boundaries. One of the things that I saw that was a headline on a news website that has become okay and acceptable apparently by a certain company This is how the news read, and I just copied and pasted it verbatim from CNN's website. It says, Verizon defends the decision to offer incest and child-themed pornography on their video-on-demand service. I'm going, this is becoming okay now. So in other words, what Verizon is saying is that we are going to allow people to stream 
incest and child pornography, and we're not going to set any boundaries and do anything about it. In other words, if that's what they want to do with our service, then they're free to do that because we're in a free country. And we call that freedom. And we look at that and we go, oh my gosh, what in the world? Verizon is, is, is allowing that to be streamed on their service? That's insane. The box office hit 300, Rise of an Empire, has a violent sex scene in a lot of nudity in the movie and even rape scenes with the indication of a 10-year-old girl that is about to be raped by a man who removes his tunic as he approaches her. And we pay our money to the box office to go watch this kind of stuff and we call it entertainment. Oh, pastor, it's just entertainment. Is this what we choose to entertain ourselves with? The singer Shakira's new music video is her in lingerie with another woman as they touch themselves and one another in sexual ways, wearing revealing clothing on a bed together. And this is what's popular and topping the charts right now. The most popular selling video game right now is Grand Theft Auto, where you go around killing cops and hooking up with prostitutes, and then after you have sex with the prostitute on the video game, you kill her too. And that's what's popular and flying off the shelves and what a lot of times grown men are buying and even parents who are unaware and don't look at video game ratings are buying this stuff for their kids. I remember one time about seven, eight years ago, I go to a video game store because I like games. Um, and uh, I've, I've always been kind of an avid collector of vintage video games and stuff like that. I used to run a vintage video game online store and I still have a lot of that kind of stuff like the old Atari stuff and you know, if some of you guys remember some of that stuff and the old Nintendo stuff, I have all of that stuff. And uh, it was a blast running that store, and when I sold it, I kept all the good stuff that I wanted to keep. <laughs> and uh, so I, I still enjoy that stuff. And uh, I, I, I want to go buy a new game for my PlayStation. And so I went to GameStop, and uh, I told the guy, you know, man, I just don't see anything I want. Tell me what's out right now. Tell me what's good. And those guys love to talk about all that kind of stuff anyways. And... Um, I said, well, I said, let me give you a, a little bit of who I am. I said, I'm a pastor, you know, of a church. And, uh, you know, I just let him know, I, I, you know, I'm not looking for anything, you know, that's going to be, you know, uh, bad or, or, or sexual or have nudity or anything like that. And so just give you a heads up. That's kind of who I am. And he was like, oh, okay, well, you'll really like this game, you know, after I told him what I was kind of into. And I thought, oh, cool. And I plugged the game in when I get home. And he was right. I loved it. I was like, oh, this guy, he, he, he pegged me. This is exactly what I'm into. This game is great. And I was playing this game. I got through the first level, ended up defeating the first boss. And as a reward on this game, after defeating the very first boss, my reward was I got two slave women that I got to simulate sex with on this video game. And I immediately take the game out, call my wife in there like she's my mama. Holy! Come quick! Come quick! Get it off the TV! And I go back to GameStop and I threw that game down and I said, Hey, bud, let me tell you something. And I lovingly instructed him on how what was in this game, and I don't know if he was aware of that or not, but I immediately got rid of it. But I'm just thinking, wow, that was seven, eight years ago that I went and bought that game. Oh, it's just entertainment. Yeah, but here's the thing about entertainment that you and I need to realize we choose what we put in front of our eyes and our ears. We choose this stuff, okay? And if we're choosing to be entertained by those types of things, what does that say about our heart? What does that say about what's in our heart if that kind of stuff is entertaining to us? If, if, if watching a, a scene in a movie that is popular right now, oh, well, that's just that one part. Yeah, but whoever wrote this story was perverted enough to want to indicate that a child is about to be raped. And we're going to entertain ourselves with that. I don't know about you folks, but that stuff kind of hurts my heart. And it bothers me that 
that we would pay money and things like that to watch and, and buy these different types of things. And you go, where in the world are the boundaries? Where, where are the lines? Because these things that no way would have been okay are now becoming okay. I'm not that old. I just turned 32 a couple weeks ago, okay? I was born in 1982. All right? In all three services, people have laughed when I've said that, and I still don't know why. I guess 82 was a hilarious year. Um, it was hilarious, and so I don't know. 1982 was a funny year for all of us, I guess. So that's when I was born. And uh, that was 32 years ago, and in the short time that I've been alive, I have seen things that were once acceptable and were once okay, you know, uh, that, that we've gone so far away from what's acceptable and okay, even in my lifetime. I can even look in the past 5, 10, 15, 20 years and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is okay because I remember when no way you would have got away with that. No way that culture as a whole and society as a whole would have given their seal of approval on the things that we allow ourselves to be influenced by in the name of entertainment, in the name of you know, having fun in the name of, oh, well, it's just acceptable now. Everybody's doing it. It's not that big of a deal. Well, does that mean that it's okay for me as a Christ follower? Just because it's okay and accepted by mainstream society and mainstream culture? I think Romans 12 and 2 says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what's the acceptable and holy and perfect will of God. Because this world has a pattern and it's wanting to cram us into it and it's wanting us to conform and play by their rules and play their game and say, if you don't, you're an outcast and you're a weirdo. Well, hey, sign me up for that club because I don't want to play the game, folks. Because I've got children that I want to invest in, that I want to protect, that I want to raise up in a way that is going to glorify and please the Lord. I have a marriage that I want to protect and, and preserve to bring glory and honor to God. And so I have to be careful with what I allow in my home and what I allow my children to be exposed to and what I expose myself to. And I have to have boundaries and lines in my life. Even though, yes, I look at my freedom in Christ, I understand what real freedom is. Because if I don't get what real freedom is, I think freedom means do whatever you want. Which actually, do what thou wilt is the first command in the Satanic Bible. Do whatever you want. Because Satan knows that if you do whatever you want, and you fulfill the lust of your flesh constantly, that your flesh never gets satisfied, and that your flesh is corrupt, and it's at enmity with God, and that if we keep feeding that monster, it never says enough. Your flesh never says, oh, that's enough pornography for me, I'm full. No, it says I need more. And then that gets old and it needs something more twisted and deeper and darker. And then it takes something that was once something maybe uh, uh, that you thought was acceptable and as innocent as lusting after women on a Victoria's Secret commercial or in a Victoria's Secret magazine or in some advertisement. And then next thing you know, you've gone down a dark path and you're addicted to something that you never would have thought yourself ever being prey to because you kept pushing the line. You kept pushing the line over and over again. I really uh, enjoy uh, a magazine called Muscle and Fitness. Well, bad thing about Muscle and Fitness is that they like to use women to sell their products. And that's a shame because I'd buy the product without a lady standing next to it barely dressed. 
So what I do is that when I get these magazines, and I don't get them all the time, but when I do, um, I know that there will be a few ads in there that will be inappropriate. And so I'm not even going to set myself to have that kind of stuff in my home. So I immediately will hand the magazine to my wife and say, hey, if there's any inappropriate ads in there, black them out, rip out the page, whatever you got to do. And she's got real creative. Sometimes she'll draw faces on the women and she gives them beards and things like that. It's really funny. (laughs) But anything that my wife finds offensive in that magazine, because you know what? There's tons of good content in that magazine and stuff that I really like. But there's, there might be one or two pages in there that has an inappropriate ad on there. And so she'll rip those out or she'll just black them out. I would recommend some of uh, you couples doing that if your husband's a subscriber to Sports Illustrated or something like that instead of opening your husband up to uh, softcore pornography and allowing him to be uh, tempted. Just a suggestion, just another line to help protect you because that's what lines are there to do. Because if it weren't for order and lines, my children would be dead. (laughs) I'm like, half the time I'm like, I'm just trying to keep you alive, son. What is wrong with you? Because kids think the world revolves around them, and they think, oh, I'm going to run out in the street. It doesn't matter. Everybody knows I'm here because it's me. (laughs) Just so you know, I'm going to run out in the street, everybody. Don't run me over. But what my kids don't realize is that they're three feet tall. And that people get in a hurry, and they don't always look where they're going. My kids don't realize that, but I do. And so because I do, I will grab my child by the back of the coat and say, what are you doing? Come back here. We have to look before we cross. We have to listen for any cars that might be coming, especially somebody that's maybe, you know, a little out of control, that's driving too fast. Let's be careful. That's order. What we would say in our culture today, well, you're just putting bondage on that child. You need to let him go free. Yeah, and they would die. Let me tell you something, too. I don't know where this comes from, and I don't know who started this, but if I knew who it started with, we would have a long sit-down chat, whoever started this. But there's this thing that's real popular right now while we're talking about parenting where parents all of a sudden just check out of their parenting role and their responsibility at different ages. I don't know what to do. What do you do? He's 13. You be the parent. What do you do? They're 16. Yeah, they still live in your house eating your groceries. You're still carting them around, driving them from place to place. Um, You're still the parents. What am I going to do, Pastor? They're 18, you know. Kids will be kids. They're still sleeping in that bed wearing them clothes you bought them, still running around that car that you're taking them place to place. You're dropping them off at work. Let me tell you, you want to be grown, son? I'll let you be grown. I'm grown, okay? Understand, I am grown, and my mama does not pay for my house. I am grown. My mama does not pay for my food or my clothes. If you are living in my house, you want to be grown, I'll let you be grown. Now, understand something. You never stop parenting your children. You don't stop. So many people check out because they're more worried about being their kid's friend than they are their parent. They're afraid that their kid won't like them, and so they don't put any order or structure in their life. And you're more worried about yourself than you are your kid if you do that. Because you're being selfish. Because you're worried about what your kid thinks about you. And you're not worried about your child and concerned about your child and putting lines in. Now, let me tell you something. When I was a youth pastor, I would have kids actually come live with me we would have young, young boys, young girls, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old that come live with my wife and I. 
And some of these kids came from some messed up homes where they had no order, no boundaries, no structure whatsoever, but they got it when they lived with Pastor Derek and Holly. <laughs> you're going to be home at this time. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to carry your weight. You're going to do these things. And if you don't want to play by those rules, then you can't stay in my home. And I set those boundaries in order, and those kids knew that. Some of those kids, they would come from some really terrible home situations. And when they would first come and they would have to endure the structure of Derek and Holly's home, some of them hated it. But you want to know when they grew up and became adults and have kids of their own, you know, they came back to me and more of those kids than not said, thank you. You actually helped me because I never saw that modeled in my home. And I experienced it in your home. Thank you. Kids that I honestly thought hated my guts because of some of the structure I would bring to the youth ministry. They actually would come to me later on in life and say, I know I gave you a hard time. And I said, yes, you did. <laughs> Even Pastor Keith, who's our youth pastor, he was in my youth group when I was a youth pastor. And I made rules. And he said, man, some of those rules, he said, I did not understand. He said, and then I became a youth pastor. And I go, oh, I get it. <laughs> That's right. You see, those rules and those orders and those lines and those boundaries aren't there to hurt you, aren't there to destroy you, aren't there to limit you. They're actually there to protect you and bring you freedom. Because there's freedom in boundaries. Amen, somebody? The line is always for your benefit, even if you don't see it. It's always for your benefit. You don't always see it, but it's always for your benefit. But let me tell you something. Reckless abandonment and rebellion to boundaries will cause bondage. It will. It opens the gate for bondage. Because if you want to do whatever you want to do and feed your flesh that never says enough and you want to just keep feeding yourself whatever you think is best for you instead of what God says is best for you, then you are going to get addicted, connected, hooked up to some dark stuff that's never going to stop screaming, feed me more. I remember when I was a kid, you might remember this too because it might have been the same in your childhood. This wasn't allowed in your home. But when I was a kid, about 11, 10, 11 years old, there was a show on TV called Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and my parents did not let me watch this show. This was a no-no in the Armstrong household. But my buddy Jeremy, his mom let him watch whatever. She didn't care. Well, I went and spent the night at Jeremy's house. Pause. If you're going to let your kids go spend the night at somebody's house, you need to know what's allowed in that home. And make sure that that mom or dad knows what's going on. Because you might not want to expose your child to an environment that's just whatever. Is We do whatever. If, if, if you're allowing your child to go over to someone's home that doesn't have some of the same values in place that you have, then you're setting your child up to be tempted with something or exposed to something that could really lead them down a dark path. So you need to be careful, especially when they're little kids. Hello, somebody. Okay, unpause. We watched, uh, me and Jeremy, we watched Beavis and Butthead, and, and we had, oh, it was great. It was great. I, I'm watching, but you want to know what happened to me? I felt bad about it, because I knew I wasn't supposed to do it, right? And it felt bad. It was kind of scratching on the inside, and, and I knew I had violated that boundary, and I knew I had done something wrong. And I went over to Jeremy's house about three weeks later, and then we started watching other stuff. And I felt a little bad about it, but not as bad. And I'm like, oh, that's doesn't feel quite as bad. Because see, I thought my mom had like this direct line to God that she knew everything that I did wrong and that she was somehow going to call me out on it. Like, I know what you did. And I'm going, oh boy, I'm in trouble. But then I got away with it. I started going, huh, maybe she doesn't have that direct line I thought she had. But then I started doing other things. And then 
I started doing other things, and, you know, I began to realize, hey, I can get away with some stuff, and I didn't feel bad about it anymore. It felt bad at first because I knew it was wrong, but the more I started doing it, I was like, hey, my heart began to get hardened over to some things, and, and, and I began to realize, hey, this, I can enjoy doing this, and, and then I was caught up in a trap of rebellion that was actually leading me down a road to bondage. Kind of like when you buy a new pair of leather shoes from the store, and you put them on, and you're walking, and you're like, I look so good in these. <laughs> these are so cool. I love these shoes. They hurt because they hadn't been broken yet. And you develop blisters on the back of your feet because that skin on the back of your feet is soft. But then all of a sudden, the more that that keeps rubbing on there, that soft skin gets hardened over to that pain and begins to actually develop layers of dead skin, these calluses on your feet. And then you put those shoes on, and it doesn't hurt anymore because, hey, I've got all this dead skin between me and that thing that was causing me pain. And that's what we do in our walk with God a lot of times. God's trying to draw us away from something, and it hurts. But the longer we allow that dead skin to pile up and pile up and pile up and pile up, it's like it puts this thing where it doesn't feel as bad anymore. And we begin to allow things to become more and more acceptable, and we call it freedom, but it's actually bondage in disguise. And then when Jesus comes in, he takes away all of that dead stuff and begins to remove those layers of dead skin and begins to make that heart soft and pliable again. If you have your Bible, go to the book of Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at what the Apostle Paul said about what Jesus does in our life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, Certainly not. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died and been freed from sin, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, that you're that one's slaves whom you obey, whether it's sin that leads to death or whether it's obedience that leads to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. He said, listen, when you obey that lust of your flesh, you actually are putting yourself in a position of being a slave to that. But when you understand God's way, when you understand God's 
line, when you understand His direction in your life, it's for your benefit. And you may get that at the time and you may not. But if you trust Him and know that what He has for you is better than whatever you think you need, that there's a reason for it and He's wanting you to grow. And He's wanting you to grow in understanding of who He is. And He's wanting you to reflect and glorify Him. I remember that when I was about 16 years old, I had a job, made $4.25 an hour at a grocery store, and it took me a while to save up enough money to go out and buy CDs, but that was what I was into, was music. And I went out and bought this CD of this particular band, and when I bought it, I thought it was great, drive down the road in my 1970 car that would barely crank, you get out of it smelling like gasoline, but I had a CD player sitting on the dash with some Velcro underneath it. They had a line coming out of the headphone jack with a tape on the end of it that was stuck into the tape deck of the car. And some of you guys might have rolled that same way. And I thought I was cool. Matter of fact, my car would barely crank before my birthday one year. My dad bought me a sound system for that car, and I thought I was awesome. And so I bought this CD, and I was so proud of it. I put it in there driving down the road. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I just knew I wasn't supposed to have there. was something in my heart that just felt wrong, and God was telling me to get rid of it. But I tried to ignore it. I keep driving down the road, listening to it. Felt like I was awesome, rolling the windows down. And I knew I needed to get rid of it. And so I eventually did. And then it wasn't two months go by, and I said, you know what, that was stupid. And I went and bought it again. And now understand something about the CD. There were no bad lyrics in it. It wasn't that it was a, a, something evil or sexual, because it wasn't. Um, actually, it was one of the cleaner bands out at the time. Um, it was just something that God was dealing with me about that He was wanting me to be obedient in this area. And I went out and bought it again because I, I justified it. I thought, it's not a big deal, right? I don't, I mean, come on. So I went out and bought it, and same thing in my heart. I just felt like God was saying no. And God was saying, what are you doing? And I kept feeling this, like, every time I go in there, and I try to ignore it, but I couldn't get away from it. And so again, I get rid of it. About a year goes by. I thought, oh, I'll go get it again. I bought this CD three times, okay? I'm a slow learner sometimes, okay? I went out and bought this CD three times. And that third time, I didn't have it very long because I immediately knew. I was like, oh. And I tried to justify it because I had friends that had it. Even one of my friends that was a youth pastor had it. And I, I mean, it wasn't a bad CD. It really wasn't. But I thought, for me, God was wanting me to be obedient to Him. And God was setting a boundary and a line in my life to try to teach me to hear his voice or because of how that music would influence me. I don't know what the reason was. All I know is that I needed to trust him because it was for my benefit. And I needed to say, okay, God, I'm going to give this up for you. You don't want me to have, there's some reason. I kept, I just knew it was God because I couldn't get away from it. And so I kept getting rid of it and I finally got rid of it. And I was like, okay, Lord, your way, not my way. You see, because the line for a follower of Christ is drawn by the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. That's why in John chapter 16, Jesus said that the Spirit himself is going to lead you into all truth. He said he's going to speak, not on his own authority, but he's going to speak what the Father tells him to speak. And he's going to point you to Jesus, and he's going to glorify Jesus. And that's what he's going to do. And so if he's leading me and guiding me, if he's pointing me to Jesus, then I need to go in the direction that he wants me to go. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And so I want my steps to be ordered by God. So that means if he's leading me into something or if he's leading me away from something, that I need to be sensitive 
to what he is saying and not ignore that voice because of what I think I need or because of what I would rather do or because of how acceptable it is for everyone else to do this or because of how popular it is or because it's not that big of a deal. And we make all these excuses. Instead, why don't we submit to God and submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit and say, okay, you have your way in my heart and my life. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be led in the direction you want me to go. Because not everything in the Bible is just black and white. Because the Bible is not a book of a list of do's and don'ts. And if you have that view of the Bible, then you have a messed up view of God. Because that's not what God is. He's not someone that's just throwing out a bunch of do's and don'ts and a big long laundry list of what you should and shouldn't do. Because let me tell you, you can't open up the Bible and, like you can a TV guide and find out what shows you're supposed to watch and not. Right? I need to know, am I supposed to watch this or am I supposed to watch that? Uh, let me tell you, where, is it in the uh, first TV guide uh, chapter of the Bible? It's not in there. What type of friends am I supposed to hang out with? Where's that list of names of those people? Jezebel, yeah, I probably shouldn't hang out with her. My tall friend named Goliath, might not want to hang out with him. Lucifer should probably stay away from me. I mean, there's no list like that. There's no list in the Bible that tells you what you should and shouldn't do because that's not the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is to show us the heart of God. I like the way Pastor Stephen has shared this with me before. He says, it's a narrative of the heart of God. It's a narrative of who He is. It's, it's a narrative of, of, of showing us Jesus and showing us our need for Jesus. And so we don't look at the Bible as something that we just go to just to simply say, well, well what about this? What about that? No, here's the thing. When you allow Jesus Christ to influence your heart, when you truly give Him your life, He changes something on the inside of you. He changes your desires and the more you get to know who he is and what he values, then you begin to value what he values. In other words, you love what he loves and you hate what he hates. I'm going to stay away from the things that I know hurt the heart of God because I know the heart of God because I know him. Not because I saw a do this and don't do this. Because anybody can throw out a list of do's and don'ts. But if I know the heart of God and my heart is His, and it's for Him, and I'm growing in that knowledge of who He is, He's going to lead me and guide me into all truth. You see how that works? It's knowing God. It's the beauty of knowing Him. And you and I are not right in the eyes of God because of how well we follow and obey. We're right in the eyes of God because of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you and I can be right in the eyes of God. But then he wants to guide us and give us lines and boundaries, not to restrict us, but to help us enjoy the freedom that he's already bought and paid for, and it's actually going to benefit us and glorify him. That's the purpose of the line and the boundary, not to just slap you on the wrist like the nun in Blues Brothers. Whack! Not just to try to teach you something, no! God, it, the Bible says that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Amen? It's getting to know Him for who He is and my need for Him and how bad and dead I am without Jesus in my life. And that the only way I can be made right in the sight of God is Jesus Christ. He makes all things new. And that includes my heart. That includes my desires. And He says, you need to renew your mind to think the way that God wants us to think, to value what God wants us to value. And that comes from knowing Him. 
And so he draws those lines as we follow and grow in knowing him. The Holy Spirit begins to guide us and lead us and influence our lives and actually reveal to us the truth of God's word. He'll actually make the word of God real in our lives. And we go, wow, I get that because I see God's heart here. I see God's heart here. I get this and I understand what this means. And then I'm able to apply it. I'm not going to be able to apply it unless I understand it. And the Holy Spirit helps me to understand and bring it to light who God really is. Is this making any sense helping anybody today? It makes a lot of sense to me. And it's helping me because we all are not trying harder to do better. What we're doing is that we're getting to know God more and more. And as we do, He's shaping us and changing us and, and influencing us and leading us into all truth. Amen, somebody. There are, there are freedom. There, there is freedom in boundaries, not bondage. There is freedom in boundaries. The Apostle Paul talked a little bit about his struggle, which I also believe identifies with every one of us as a struggle of humanity in Romans chapter 7. And we'll just kind of flow right off of Romans chapter 6 there that we were reading earlier. Romans 7 and verse 15, he says this, he said, For what I'm doing, he said, I don't understand. He said, for what I will or what I want to do, that's what I don't practice. He said, but what I hate, that's what I find myself doing. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I don't find. For the good that I will to do, I don't do. But the evil I will not to do, that's what I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. For I find then a law that is, that is evil present within me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members." O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul said, there's good things that I want to do, but I find those are the things that I often don't do. He said, and then the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing those things. And what he was saying is that if, if I allow my flesh to control me, if I allow my flesh to lead me, then I'm actually working more in that dead flesh, that dead sin. I'm actually identifying with my own strength and my own will and my own way. But when I begin to walk according to the Spirit, then I'm not going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He said, and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's already put to death the deeds of the flesh. And if we identify with Christ and understand He is our hope, and if we identify with Christ and understand I have freedom in Him, then I can experience and understand true freedom. And then the boundaries that God sets in my life and the things that He leads me to do and the things He leads me away from, there is real freedom. There is real no condemnation. That's where I can walk and experience these things. If I try to do it in my own strength and I try to do it in my own flesh and I try to somehow make that right, it's not going to be right. 
But I can do all of these things because it's Christ in me that brings hope. It's Christ in me that's leading me and guiding me. It's Christ in me that's changing me from the inside out. Not hope in me, hope in Jesus. And when I put my trust in Jesus, then I can experience the freedom that he has for me. When I trust him, okay, I'm going to trust you because I find that I do things that I don't want to do. But in Christ, I can experience this freedom. And so I can walk with him and trust in him. And then I find myself wanting to do the things that Christ desires for me because he's changed my desires because I know him. Because I know who he is. Just like you hang out with anybody long enough, you'll start picking up on some little habits. You live in Wisconsin long enough. I don't care where you were raised up. Unless you're Pastor Keith, somehow he's avoided changing his accent from Arkansas. <laughs> but the longer I live here, and I can pick on him because he's not here today. So the longer I've lived here, I find myself doing everything once. Hey, come over or buy me once. I told someone the other day that I was going to borrow them a book. And I used to make fun of people. Say, you mean lend me a book? No, I'm going to borrow it to you once. Oh, okay. <laughs> you live somewhere long enough, you're going to get influenced by those things. You hang around someone long enough. Hey there once, right? You hang around somebody long enough, you're going you, you're gonna to begin to pick up on things. If you allow them to influence your life. The more I hang out with God, the more time I spend with Him, He begins to influence my thinking. The more I get to know about Him through His Word, through fellowship with Him, through talking to Him, through growing in Him, through growing with other believers who also know Him, then all of a sudden my values begin to change. My desires begin to change. And even though I find myself staying away from things that once held me bound, it's not because someone told me to stay away from them as much as it is because my desires have changed and I don't want to do that anymore because that brings bondage and I'm free. I'm free in Christ. And then I begin to realize, wow, you know, I used to struggle with that. I used to be a really angry person. I used to be depressed all the time. I used to deal with this issue and this issue. And I realized, wow, I'm walking in freedom. Why? Because I'm learning who he is and I'm learning he who the Son set free is free indeed. I learned that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I understand that it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. And when I understand that and I grow in that, I can experience and taste and grow in what real freedom is. And yeah, people may look at me and they may say, wow, this guy's strict. This guy's got a lot of boundaries. This guy won't do this. He won't do that. Yeah, but I'm free. You understand what I'm saying this morning? I'm free. And it's not because I have this big laundry list of do's and don'ts. It's because my desire's not there because my desire is to glorify God. And if God puts a boundary or he, he's leading me by his spirit to stay away from something or stay away from someone or to stay away from a CD as a teenager... And that's what I'm going to do because I know it's for my benefit. And I'm going to be led by his word. And, and, if, and if I'm thinking or if my opinion or my way of living, my values are contrary to what he says and what he's leading me into, then something's got to give. I'll say, Lord, you have my heart. Help make me the father, the husband, the pastor that you've created me to be. Put me on that potter's will. Shape my heart. Shape my desires to be more in line with what you desire 
because I want to live my life in a way that's going to bring glory to you. And I know that if it brings glory to you, God, then I'm going to also be benefited from it because there's a reason for the line. There's a reason for the guidance. There's a reason for those things. And it's not to put me in bondage. It's actually to help me walk in freedom. So let me ask you this question. Who is drawing the line for you? Who is drawing the line for you? And I don't want the Sunday school answer, okay? Because Sunday school answer, Jesus drawing the line for me, brother. <laughs> is that what our life reflects, that we're allowing God to draw the line for us? Or are we letting other people's opinions draw the lines of what's acceptable and what's okay for us? Are we allowing what's popular because we're afraid of being ostracized from certain people? Are we allowing what's popular? Are we allowing things in our lives that are actually leading us and our families down very destructive roads because we're allowing other people to draw the lines for us? Are we allowing pressure from all sides to draw the line for us? You may feel that pressure. I know that that pressure is mounting towards the local church, towards the body of Christ, of having to take a stand and where do we stand on this or that? Who, who's drawing that line for you? Because the pressure is, if, if it's not already there, it's, it, it, it's, it's coming. Who's drawing that line? Who's guiding you? Who's leading you? Is it God? Is it His Holy Spirit? Is it His Word? Is that what's drawing the line for us? Or are we going to crumble under the pressure of what's popular? Because, folks, Jesus is the hope of this world. Amen? Jesus is the hope of this world. I'm not the hope of this world. You are not the hope of this world. But guess what? The hope of the world lives on the inside of me. And because of that, when I let Christ shine through my life, when my life brings Christ glory, I'm actually showing people that freedom and that hope that I have found. But I have to experience it. I have to know it. I have to know Him. I love the way that one of my missionary friends told me a story once that he said, uh, he, he, said he said, Derek, he said, when I was in a foreign country, he said, uh, he said that someone came up to me and they said, tell me about Jesus. He said, because you look like someone who knows him. And he said, you speak as someone who actually knows him. He said, there are a lot of people who know about Jesus. He said, but this guy saw something in him that he said, you speak and walk and talk like someone who actually knows him. Tell me about that, Jesus. That's what I want people to see in my life because that's the way I, that my life is going to glorify God when people say, you know God. You know Jesus. Amen, somebody. So I want to give you some things as we wrap up this morning to help you to set boundaries and be led by the Holy Spirit. And maybe this is a conversation that you need to have with your spouse, with your family, maybe with your friends. Maybe if you're a young person, maybe you need to have this conversation with your parents as, as you begin to uh, look for boundaries and things in your life that are going to be led and directed by God's Word and the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that you need to do to be able to draw these lines in your life is ask this question, does it hurt your heart? Does the thing that you're involved in, does it hurt your heart? Or did it at one time hurt your heart and maybe you've become a little calloused over to it because you've ignored that voice over and over just like I talked about I did as a child? Does it hurt your heart? In other words, when you go to that place, is there something on the inside of you that's just kind of scratching, telling you you're not supposed to be there? 
Or when you get in that conversation with someone and the conversation starts going into right field or left field and it starts, it starts to turn into gossip and it starts to feel bad on the inside and you know it's not right, guess what? Stop. Set a boundary. Stay away. That's the Holy Spirit trying to show you and teach you and lead you and guide you away from gossip, lead you away from slander, lead you away from somewhere you shouldn't be. There are often times when my wife and I would be watching a television show and something comes on there that begins to make my heart hurt. I have a real heart for children, and so if I see something on TV where a child is being hurt in any way, it's just something about it. It's just, it, it really gets to me. And I say, shut it off. We, we're not watching that. And we'll just shut it off. And I'll say, I just, I, I, because if, if I sit there and watch it, then this is going to be on my mind for the next two weeks and it's going to be bothering me. It's just going to be eating me up. And I, I just, I don't want that. So I'm going to set a boundary. I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Does it hurt your heart? Does it bother you? When you hang out with that person and you get into that conversation, does it bother you when you go to certain places? And you know, even though everybody else wants to go and everybody else wants to do it, but there's something on the inside of you and it might not even be a bad place. Maybe it's just something on the inside of you saying, don't go there. Is it hurting your heart? Is it kind of like a warning? That's the Holy Spirit trying to lead you and guide you into all truth. You need to listen to that. And the more you listen to that, the more sensitive to His voice you'll become. And you'll begin to recognize God's voice. God, he, he, he often speaks in that still small voice that you and I don't pay attention to sometimes. But if we start paying attention to it, we'll realize He's been speaking to me more than I realize. And it's for my benefit. It's actually to protect me, and that boundary and that line's there for a reason. The second thing, does it stir up thoughts, attitudes, and desires in you that lead you to sin? Whatever the case may be, is it something that stirs up a thought in you that later leads to an action that is sinful? Does it stir up a, 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 an attitude in you that may make you angry when, when, I, when I do this certain thing or hang out with a certain person or watch this certain show or listen to this certain music or whatever the case may be? Does it, does it stir up an attitude in me that makes me angry or depressed or, or whatever the case may be and it actually leads me to make dumb decisions that are actually sinful? If it does that, guess what? Set a boundary. Don't play. Don't play the game. You can control what you allow in your home. And I believe we need to stand up and start controlling some of those things by saying, okay, we need to set some boundaries led by God, led by the Holy Spirit, led by His Word. What does His Word say? What is He leading and guiding me into? What does the heart of God say about this? Set a boundary if it's leading you to sin. The third thing, do you always feel the need to justify or defend it? If you always feel the need to justify or defend it, something's not right. Or, I'll add another one to that, are you always making excuses for it? Are you always making excuses? If you're always having to justify or defend something, there's probably something to that. And you need to investigate that in your own heart. Let me tell you, even at work, if you're always making excuses and you get nervous when the boss walks in, and you're always making excuses for why you didn't do this or do this or do that, and you're just full of excuses, let me tell you how to make your life a lot less stressful. Be a better employee and do what you're supposed to do, and when the boss comes in, you don't have to be near as nervous. And guess what? You don't have to make any excuses. And if the boss still has a problem with the work that you did after you know you did what you were supposed to do, then you need to rest in comfort in your personal integrity that you know you did the right thing. You're going to be a nervous wreck, especially maybe if you're a person that's always living, juggling different lies to different people. 
A lot of times we'll, you know, people will buy into this thing that I have to lie to someone to get them to like me or to impress them. And so we'll come up with these different lives of who we really are because they'll never, you know, be in my house. They'll never really know who I am or, or they'll never really know if this is true or not. And so we just juggle all these different lies and, and we're nervous wrecked because we can't remember who we told what to. And we're nervous all the time if someone finds out, you want to know a way to have a lot more peace? You don't have to justify and defend anything or make excuses for anything. Be a person of integrity and set that boundary in your life. I can rest now. Be who you are. Be yourself. Let me tell you something. Don't get nervous around me because I'm your pastor and you have to try to be someone to me that you're really not. Because I love you just like you is. And I love all your faults and I love all your junk. I'm your pastor. I'm here to love you right where you're at because I want to love you like God loves you. I like to go to the gym and I have a lot of buddies at the gym that don't go to church. A lot of them aren't even Christians. I love having uh, those guys in, in, in the gym that I can talk to that they're not even believers. And guess what? A lot of them, when they first meet me and first start hanging out with me, I don't go up to them and say, Hi, I'm Derek. I'm a pastor. <laughs> Ding! I don't do that. I'll know. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll be working out. Maybe three months will go by, and we'll be working out together, and the question will come, so what do you do for a living, man? Uh, motivational speaker. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't say that. I don't tell them that. That's a joke. That's a bad joke. I tell, no, I, I tell them, I say, well, I'm a pastor, and you want to know what they do? Oh, 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 um, uh, hey, man, listen, um, hey, listen, you know, when we were working out the other day and I dropped that weight, you know, uh, hey, man, you know, uh, praise the Lord, Jesus is good all the time, all the time, God is good, hallelujah, mm. and they start acting all weird and stuff, that bothers me, I don't like that, I don't like that. Hey, I saw this cross in, in the Christian bookstore the other day, and I bought it for you because I thought you'd like it. People do stuff like that to me, and, 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 and because they think that's what pastors do. And they don't realize I'm just a real person. I said, listen, buddy, here's the deal. I said, if I haven't treated you any differently since I met you, I said, why would we change that now just because you found out what I do for a living? I said, how about we agree to do this? I said, you be you and I'll be me. I said, we're just going to be real. How about that? You don't have to make excuses then. Because guess what? I don't care how good you think you are or how bad you think you are. We all need Jesus. I'm not any better than anybody else because I'm a pastor. And if you act weird or different around me, then that's your issue, not mine, because I'm going to be myself. I've always said I want the mark of my ministry to be that when my kids are grown and gone, that they would be able to look people in the eye who saw me as their pastor, and they would be able to look at each and every one of you and say, the same person you saw in the pulpit was the same person I grew up with. I'm not somebody else up here than I am at my house. I'm just as goofy at my house. <laughs> and I care about you just as much. Because here's the thing, we need to be real. And if I'm always having to justify or defend my actions because the pastor's coming over, oh, I've got to be somebody else. No, you don't. You need to be who you are and grow from that point. And that leads me to the last thing. You always need to evaluate. You never stop evaluating as you grow in Christ. Myself included. 
we all need to evaluate and say, God, what do you want? I don't ever need to get to the place to where I feel like I'm better than everybody else. If I get to that place, I am in a lot of trouble. You can never work harder at being more humble. I'll let you think about that for a minute. You can never try harder to work on humility. Because why? Because the moment you do and you think you got good at it, you're not humble anymore. The moment you think that you've done something to make yourself more humble, then you're proud of what you did. So you're no longer humble. So humility then can't be achieved by my efforts. Humility can only be achieved by the attitude of my heart. And the only one who can change my heart is Jesus. And so the more I get to know him, the more influence he has in my life, the more he begins to shape and change my heart. And I'm exercising humility, not because I tried harder to do better, but because he got a hold of my heart and I know him and I value what he values. And I want to do what he wants me to do. And I want to set the boundaries and the guidelines and the order in my life that he desires for me. Amen, somebody? And you never stop evaluating. You never stop evaluating. So I want to challenge you this week, maybe even today, to sit down with your family, with your spouse, with a friend, whoever, and evaluate things in your life. Discuss these questions, these three questions, and then evaluate those things. Say, where, where are we at on this? Are there things that hurt our heart that we're allowing in our home? Are there things we're allowing in our lives? Are there relationships we have that, that they're not right and they're causing us a lot of harm? Maybe we need to set some boundaries in those relationships. Or maybe we need to cut those relationships off. Uh, am, are we involved in anything or do we have anything in our home that's stirring up thoughts and attitudes and desires that are leading us to sin? Do I always have, do I have something that I'm always feeling like I need to justify or defend it or make excuses for? And then say, God, lead me and guide me into your truth. Help me evaluate as I grow in Christ. And then you and I can learn what true freedom in Christ is. Amen, somebody. Bow your heads this morning with me. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.